This episode of the Cinema Sideshow Podcast has been pre-recorded. I don't know where I am right now. This is pre-recorded space. It's also convoluted. I've forgotten what the real world's like. Please enjoy the How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to the Cinema Side Show Podcast, episode 53. <laughs> First one to kick off one. our second year of existence. Yeah, we're we're more than one years old now. Yeah, I know. We're big kids. Wow. Congratulations to Once last week, taking out our golden chockey. Top. That's it. We've got to watch a movie called Twice this next year. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like uh, the little drum rolls and the... I did. I liked all of that. I got I got to listen to it like without any like preparation. I suppose like yeah. you didn't tell me about any of this stuff. You added and you added the drum roll. You added the actual the track, yeah, the actual soundtrack. And I was like, oh, I like this a lot. So that was a nice Thank little you. surprise. Thank I liked you. it. No, okay. Well, we're here to talk about movies. Movies. And once again, uh, this is another one of our pre-recorded episodes. Have you heard by That's the disclaimer? Right. Uh, yeah. But we do have a very good film this week to talk about. Absolutely. But before then, Jake, you came up with a really cool idea. Right. So, in, so again, instead of our usual sort of what we've been watching this week, because we can't really do that, uh, we came up with a different idea. Yes, this this week it's mine. I wanted to talk a bit about some of our theatrical stories and memories. Now, by this you mean trips to the cinema. Absolutely. So anytime we've gone to the cinema, any notable stories or fun memories or maybe some statistics. I don't know. Just well, fun things I mean, a more recent contemporary memory would be how great the crowd was for Jojo Rabbit. Right, yeah. That was um <laughs> that was one of the best crowds we've sat in with in years. Yeah. We've actually got a few from this year actually. That, well, the year that, from last year, beg my pardon. Yeah, yeah, in the past year, I guess, yeah. more accurately termed. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Um, like that time where we had a cinema all to ourselves. Yeah, we watched Green Book. And then I think you watched, what was that political Front film? Runner. Front Runner. You watched Front Runner by yourself as well? Yeah, me and my mate, we went and watched it. Oh, and nice. turns out we were in it by ourselves. And that was at the Carousel one with the really nice reclining nice, seats. Nice, nice. Uh, and yeah. I, think, I think the other one was Garden City. It's crap. <laughs> I, I'm really frustrated. Apparently they're getting refurbished around the now time or in the near future. Uh, be after. It would be like... Like February, March. Now, I read February. it I read it in a... I, oh, because was... Westfield's acquired Garden City. Oh. So, okay. uh, sorry, a bit of local... Rep. <laughs> local discussions here. Garden City, the most local big shopping centre to Jake and myself, mm. uh, was owned by AMC and now is uh, being acquired. I didn't know it was owned by acquired. AMC. It's AMC, yeah. AMP, Bloody. sorry, AMP Capital. Okay, beg that my makes, pardon. makes a little more sense. AMP Capital, <laughs> sorry, beg my pardon. Um, it's no longer called Garden City. It's called Westfield Borragoon. Oh well, we always called it Borragoon in our household. Really? It's yeah. always been Garden Garbo. City or Borragoon. Garden City. So fifty-fifty. Yeah. Depends okay. what mood you're in, I guess. So they're they're doing a lot of renovations to yeah. make that. Yeah, I think it's because it's gotten up. really shit. I work there. It's bad. It's real bad. Well, you work in yeah Borragoon. Yeah, Garden I work City, in one yeah. of the shops there, but yep. it's real shit. So, mm. well, we have a friend who actually works at that Garden City Hoyts. We do. Yeah. yeah. He said me on the way to Joker. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, but um, so they're they're ones from more recent memory. I remember. Do you have any right. particular ones you'd like um, to talk about? I wrote a couple of little categories if you want to go into it. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I like the sound so of this. I wrote, hmm? like the sound of this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I wrote. I wanted to talk about some of the films we may have attended by ourselves. So. It's kind of an uncommon thing among some people to attend the theatre by themselves. Usually you go like without with a, a friend. friend. Yeah, like just without a friend, without a group of friends. 
anytime you've ever gone alone, the ones that come to mind for me uh, was Harry Potter and the Harpler Prince. I was so... Well, I was I was a young lad, and yeah. I was, this was kind of in the peak of my Harry Potter love. And this was also the first... This was the first Harry Potter I was going to watch... Of a based on a book that I read myself, I think I had them read to me. That is probably one of the point. few ones out of that entire series. Watching by yourself wouldn't have been, I think, as cool because to have your friend react when Dumbledore dies. Right. Well, someone cried. Someone cried like a few rows down from me <laughs> during that scene. It was insane. But that I went to that by myself because I was so excited to watch it. Yeah. So I went like nine a.m. the day it came out, and um, and, and I think it was a Millennium. It was oh, okay. a so it was a, yeah, a bit of weird. Here's the thing. My parents dropped me off, which is kind of weird now that I think about it. They must have been working or something. Yeah. Because I don't know why they wouldn't have just come in with me and watched it. Because I don't remember being, like, all fussed. Probably was work or something. But... Yeah, I don't remember being that fussed. But you know what's funny? I bumped into my mate, also named Zeke, upstairs, but we did not sit next to each other, which I thought was weird. We kind of bumped each other. We were like, oh, hey, how's it going? We're watching the same movie, but then we didn't sit next to each other. <laughs> That's a bit weird. That's so weird now to think about it. In hindsight. Other Zeke. Yeah. Calling you out. Sorry. Larson. <laughs> uh, it wasn't me. And um, the first time I remember going to the movies without my parents, I think it was Iron Man. The original Iron Man. Oh, okay. I mean, it was my birthday present, so it was like me and a few friends. I think I was turning... What year was that? 2008? Yep. So I would have turned... 11. 11, you're right. And <laughs> I remember halfway through the movie looking around and be like, wait, where's mum? <laughs> I didn't know where she was. I was like, oh, she just left us. Oh, cool, I guess, yeah. <laughs> she must have walked us up to the thing, checked the tickets to see when the movie ended, and then arranged to pick us up afterwards. Fair Look, enough. I remember that being the first time I went to a movie without a parent and not knowing to halfway through the movie that my parent wasn't there. <laughs> so they're the only two you've seen? Um, I think the most recent one, Edge of Seventeen. I watched that by myself. You know, I've never seen a movie by myself. Never. I literally just like while you were talking, I was like, there has head. to be one. That's I have never seen a movie by myself. That's insane. Which is weird because it's like there have been movies that I think I've dragged people along to that they probably didn't want to be there for. But so I've always seen. I've seen a lot of, particularly saw a lot of films. I saw a lot of films with families, right. and then I saw, like, a lot with my brother and sister, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, growing up, like, my dad used to take us a lot. Okay. So, and he'd always pay for the tickets, so it was, like, free movie. So we'd, like, yeah. cop, we'd cop <laughs> a lot with him, and then often uh, we'd, see, we'd see less and less with my mum growing up. Um, I think the most recent film I saw with my mum was... Was it Knives Out? It was Knives Out. <laughs> God, <laughs> you remember yeah. it. I don't even remember it. Um, yeah, it was Knives Out. That was the most recent. That was the first time we'd seen a movie together since... The, the, I saw a movie with her last year. Right. We like. I saw, I've seen most of the films I've seen in recent years have been with friends. I see a lot with you. Yeah, we've um, gone a lot this couple past couple years. Um, I see a lot with you and I see a lot with Jack. And you're probably the two I see the most with. Yeah, if yeah, I think about it. Because it's probably the easiest. There are sporadic people there and there, like James I see a couple with. But right. Like well, generally... you, me and James, we saw our favourite and Green Book together. Yeah, that was a period where we saw a lot together. But like, generally for me and you, summer, yeah. yeah, I've seen the most with you in the last couple of years. Because, yeah, it's easiest. It's normally like... You don't have to convince me to go to a lot of movies. No. 
In fact, I probably have to convince you half the time to go to Tokyo. Yeah, maybe. It's, and it's real simple. <laughs> we just do do it. <laughs> but I've never, yeah, I've never seen a movie. I That's insane by me. myself. I really had to think long and hard about that. It's funny you brought up the Harry Potter ones. I think I've seen all those Harry Potter by the first two in the cinema. I exactly the same for me. Azkaban, yeah. Yeah, that was my first Harry Potter Which I think makes it just by years, because we would have been too young in Chamber of Secrets, I think. I think they were already out by the time we started watching the films on VHS or something like that. Which is funny, because I'm not even a big Harry Potter fan. But (laughs) I ended up seeing all of them in in the cinema. But yeah, no. I I remember, have you got got another character? I'm going to add a category. I'll go to other categories. Okay. What do you want to bring in? No, no, we'll keep going with yours, because you might right. bring up the category okay. that I have in mind. All right, well, I want to mention films that we've seen multiple times in the cinema. Okay. So not every film you watch more than once in the cinema. Sometimes you do, because for whatever reason. This has been a thing that I've definitely done more the older I've gotten. Right. Um, you know what? I'm kind of flatlined in it. You've stopped. No, 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 as in, like, I've never really done it more or less than always. You know what I mean? Oh, okay, okay. So you've been consistent. Yeah, exactly. What's the movie you've seen the most in like a cinematic run? Is it three? Ah, oh, probably two. Two. I don't think I've seen that film three times in a few. I, I, I know you have because this bloody Star Wars movie exists. Um, <laughs> I saw Rogue One three times in the wow. cinema. Okay. Love that movie. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up in my decade discussion earlier because I think you would have killed me if I'd brought it up. Oh, plus, you brought it up the other week. Yeah. Right, if it was your favourite movie the day. Yeah, I would have killed you. I would have. Yeah, you would have. <laughs> um, but I love that movie so much. I saw that three, three times. times. I did. I saw Civil War three times. What? Uh, I might have seen Civil War... No, one time. One time. Yeah, I saw Civil War three times. Saw it with my dad. My friend, and then Margaret once, <laughs> right, <laughs> which okay, is a mate of mine, uh, I think. Yeah, uh, <laughs> what you said, a made up person. <laughs> no, uh, I was like trying Margaret to, I was trying to think who I saw them with. Right, okay. Um, but yeah, That's yeah, I saw that three times. I saw Kingsman twice, I think. Okay. Um, but the ones I remember the most of seeing three times, I saw Force Awakens three times. Not surprised there. Fair Rogue enough. One three times, Civil War three times. Oh, is there anyone else I saw three times? I don't think I've ever watched the Star Wars for more than once in a theater. Even Last Jedi, I promised to watch them more than once in the cinema, and I just didn't. Just never did. Yeah, I can't think of another one that yeah. might have seen three times. I've seen yeah, most of mine are two times. The first time might have been Get Smart, the Steve Carell. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that twice in a theater. I love that film so it's much. So good. It's so funny. Um, I think I watched it. What was the first condition I watched it with? I remember the second time I watched it with my mum. Like, it was just the two of us who went Skyfall, to watch it. Skyfall, I saw three times. Oh, fair enough. James Bond, Skyfall. Banger. So good. Man, you've seen a lot of films three times. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and recently, since doing the show, I've watched Joker and Once I Put a Time in Hollywood twice in the cinema. Yeah, mm. I actually think I've cooled on it more recently. Okay. Um, this year I don't think I've watched any movie twice in the cinema. I think we're more like, especially we're doing this show. I think we're more keen to just like watch the next thing, yeah. Instead of rewatching the same thing over and Particularly over again. Particularly with films of the week, um, I think that automatically for me just makes Once you've it... talked about it, you tick it off your head, sort of thing. Yeah, especially when you spend forty-five minutes extensively talking about it, it actually yep. turns you off wanting to watch the film anytime soon. A lot of the times, almost I think. like a second viewing in a way. Yeah, because you have to really like. Branch out your thought process, and then you're like, you'll see the film again. You'll be like, yeah, well, I talked about this with 
detailing because right, yeah. you'll give a perspective. So I'm, it's basically watching a second and a third time. You know, in a way. But then once again, when we did our Once Upon a Time Hollywood episode, I very much said I needed to watch that film twice before I could stamp my opinion on yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. And I'm glad I did because it drastically. That film grows with age for me. That film has okay. only gotten better and better the more I watch it and think about it and, and all that jazz. Yeah, that's fair. But, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any others as well twice. In the I know there is some. Mm-hmm. There's some out there, but I just... I'm trying to feel like a superhero. As long as it's... As, I mean, if it's not coming to your head, it's obviously not as important as... Yeah, it mustn't have been... I think I saw Winter this... Soldier twice. Oh, okay. <sighs> yeah. I never caught that in cinema. Oh. I think I was going to I think I was gonna go on a date to see it, and then, and then she broke my heart. No, well, this actually branches into my one category. <laughs> oh, no, it's your cat. Oh, no. I know where this is going. Yeah, so oh, uh, no. best or awkward dates involving yes! a cinema. <laughs> that was a good segue. Oh, that's beautiful. Do you have any awkward or amazing, by chance, cinema oh, dates? I have both. You know, okay, okay. It's beautiful. I don't have any horrible date, like movie date yeah. stuff. I have, um like, awkward ones, I guess, like, my first ever date ever. Yeah. Was, I mean, I feel like we're doing a different show right now. <laughs> yeah, what's fair? It's a bit of a total change. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, I think the first date was the fourth Paranormal Activity movie because there was, I, there was, dude, there was nothing on this moment. There was nothing I was playing. This is my first date of all time. It was like January 2014. It needed to happen, dude. A scary movie. Well, I mean, it wasn't scary, but it was supposed to be a scary yeah. movie, you know. Um, I yeah, we watched it and we walked out like it was kind of. I was way too awkward to be dating people at this point. Yeah, but you you still need to. You need to date people in that stage so you can later date people less awkwardly. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, and once we we actually got together, we became boyfriend girlfriend for a little while after that, and we ended up watching again. There was nothing on. Yeah, we watched Peabody and Sherman. The, My the sequel. God. Maybe that's why it didn't work out. We just kept watching shit movies. That's so bad. Yeah, I I don't know. And then that's that was who I was going to watch Winter Soldier with, and then she broke my heart. And I couldn't watch it anymore. So it came um, Finally got to a good movie too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then, if we just watched that film, Z, Could've we would have still been together. Be, oh, you, you've married enough kids uh, by now. I would have had my own Sarah, you bastard. No, okay. Speaking of Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, you got to tell it. Okay. Uh, so, relatively story. recently, Ford vs. Ferrari came out and... We actually had this... Oh, you watched it with... I didn't know you watched it with Sarah. I did watch it with Sarah, yeah. Oh. Well, I... Oh, I mean, of course you did. I mean, if there was a film I watched by myself, it was probably this one, because she fell asleep halfway through. Oh, no! (laughs) So, um, (laughs) Sarah's a really great person to watch films with, because if they're not interesting to her... She does really cool things, like, she'll watch a film, and this... I already really (laughs) like this at the start. She'd check her phone... Like IMDb checks, she checked. Oh, oh that yeah. actor recognized. Check oh, out. so she's like the commentary track, so you don't have to avert your eyes. Is that what so you're good? At? So good because nice, it'll be nice. like I'm watching the film, and she won't say anything. She'll be like, "Oh, like she'll say, I'll know that actor. I want to see what they're from." Yep. So she'll get out the phone without me even checking it. So it's like I don't even have to do it. It's great. But in Four vs Ferrari, I don't know what it was. Like we had just like we came to the realization that we'd been dating for a while and we never actually saw a movie together, mm. and. Maybe that was a good thing. <laughs> it's a really weird thing. No, because it's like we've had people that I've dated people in the past. Right, that, yeah. Which I'm going to talk about. That oh, one. Oh, I know. But it's you... not Sarah. Um, <laughs> but um, basically, yeah. I mean, and honestly, to her credit, if there was a film to fall asleep in, it was probably Ford vs. Ferrari. What the Dude, 
that second act drags. I was even bored in it. I wouldn't wasn't fall asleep bored, but she was just tired and she just. I looked over and it was just like, oh, her eyes are shut. She's probably asleep. And I just kept watching. <laughs> I was just fine. I was oh, just like, man. but it was really funny because I'd never seen someone fall asleep in a movie before. You know what? I to this day <laughs> think I fell asleep watching Finding Nemo as a child. What? I think I fell asleep. I I don't remember being awake during the the theater experience of that film. Oh, I might crazy. have been. I just have a bad memory. I don't know. I just remember falling asleep during that film. Yeah. Do you have anything else? Um, you'd like I to want to talk about a good date, good movie date that I had. Um, so I, don't, I, don't, I think that would. I mean, even the one where Sarah fell asleep would be my good date. That's literally the only. <laughs> in all <laughs> seriousness, that might be the only good date I've had in the cinema with a girl. <laughs> with a girl you went the rest with of them are just like awkward. Like, do I touch their hand? Oh my god, I'm holding their hand and it's clammy. You see, okay, so uh, that's what that's what the previously awkward date stuff is. Yeah. But then we jump a couple of relationships forward. Yep. Uh, Spider Man Homecoming's coming out. I'm so excited for this film. I'm dating like the most beautiful girl you can imagine. We go and watch this film together, and it was like the best time. Not because we turned around before the movie even started, and there were two people like to our right behind us. Like, I think they were jerking each other off during the. It's uh, inappropriate gestures in public. I turned around and I was like, "What did they do?" (laughs) Couldn't tell. And then the movie started, so I was like, "All right, well, let's watch the movie." And yeah, that's the thing when you when you go to movies with someone you really like and everything's hunky dory, it's a fun time. You're laughing, yeah. you're doing naughty things. It's fun. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was a pleasant. Uh, can't say I had the same opinions. It's maybe but, uh, why Far From Home was a much worse Spider-Man film because I went with you instead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm actually very much the opposite. I, I've very you don't much... want to be distracted from the movie. Yeah, and I'm about to talk about someone that did. <laughs> Um, I know what you're about so, to talk about. Uh, I think we should just, like, it was involving Avengers Endgame. And <laughs> I'm going to we'll talk about I'm, leading into the. Well, I think that's that's a separate story, but I will, we can talk about that one just in a sec. Okay. Because okay. that one's, like, the main event of cinema stories. <laughs> um, but, however, <laughs> on this same night when we finally got into the cinema we're about to watch, uh, basically, this person that. I was seeing at the time, and Jack came along. She, every two seconds, would be like, what's, what's that? What's going on? And it's like, it's Avengers Endgame. I'm not even a big Marvel fan, and I know what's going on. So it's like, to have yeah. someone in your ear every two seconds asking about plots and stuff, doesn't matter. That is not a good film to bring someone Friend half fast into. or girlfriend at the time, it's annoying, and I hate it. Yeah, because it was... the cinema is meant to be quiet. And even on top of that, like even just the experience externally... People, because it was Avengers Endgame on on the first day of release, people had to take flash photography of the bloody movie, like yeah. 30 minutes in. It's like, we get it. We get it. You're yeah. here. Good for you. So we're you like know. hundreds of other people that came in and came out before us. Ah, uh, yeah. So we were walking up the stairs in Garden City. Yeah. Oh, can we bear in mind that uh, I'd been working all day. Jake was really wanted to see a I really wanted screen. to see this movie. <laughs> and I was like, that's okay. That's fine. I finished work at 8, 8.30 that night. And it was like, all right. It was right. 11 o'clock our screening. Yeah. So it was like, so all right, Zeke. we'll stay up a couple of hours. <laughs> I hadn't had any sleep the night before I was dead. And I was like, oh, I'm okay with staying up at 2 in the morning. Sure, this is fine. Sorry, it. No, it's fine. <laughs> um, I didn't care for the movie that much, but Jake really cared about it. So I was like, sure, I'll go see it with you. It's fine. Um, the seats weren't. The seats were pretty good that we scored, so I was pretty satisfied. Yeah, they with weren't them. that bad, all things considered. And yeah, no, we were. We finally get 
to Garden City where you have to walk up this flight of stairs before you enter the cinema. And as we're walking up... A bunch of people coming out from a previous session. Yeah, because it was just an assembly line of sessions. There's 20 sessions a day, so of course. Exactly. And, you know... Well, we're walking up the stairs and there's these teenage kids very enthusiastically talking about what they just watched. And uh, one of them spills out uh, a particular comment, probably the biggest spoiler of the film, as we're walking past. Yeah, um, so we're about to do this spoiler, so unlike those kids, we'll, just we'll in case you, you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, the One of only two people. Come back in five minutes. Yep, or uh, just click the 15 second thing on your Spotify. Iron Man dies. Yep, and, and they wanted to talk about it in front of everyone. <laughs> uh, we were literally at the door entrance, and I heard it, and it was loud, and Jake... I didn't hear it. Didn't hear it, but I assumed he did. And I just screamed, shut the fuck up. (laughs) I I always love reenacting what you do. It was, yeah, you want to... Because I was behind you and I saw the kids. I didn't hear what they said, but I knew they were talking about it. And I was like, ah. And then all I saw, you were ahead. You turned around doing this like shaky motion. You're like, ah, shut the fuck up. (laughs) And then all three of us bolted through the doors, through the bloody cashier. I channeled my Ran right into the theatre and sat down. In which, because you two were talking about what was just said, hence I got spoiled it as well. <laughs> yeah. So, Oof. that was the worst. I was trying case. to be like, oh, maybe that never... Actu- maybe he doesn't die in the movie. <laughs> uh, well, I got one more category. Uh, we can wrap this up real quick, I yep. feel like. The last category is films that we just straight up missed in the cinema. Films we desperately wanted to see, mm. never caught them in the cinema. Mine was Dunkirk. I what? feel you didn't see Dunkirk? I never caught it in a theatre. I feel so experience. bad about that. Um, I'm trying to think of others today. Hell or High this. Water. Ah, Shout out to episode 50. Didn't get to see that in the cinema. I wish. I wish I'd seen all three of those films. Sicario, Wind River, and gotcha, Hell or gotcha, High Water. Gotcha. They would definitely be the... The three, because mm. I feel like, especially Wind River, that and that <laughs> feeling would have been like awesome. I'll throw well, the no Revenant country for old men. Oh, if I was old enough, that would have nice. been one I would have wanted to see. I'll throw the Revenant in there. I still haven't seen it to this day, but that would be a good one to see. In and theater. honestly, Wolf of Wall Street with a lively crowd would have been oh, so much been fun good. to watch. Enthusiastic crowd, yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh, you know what? There's a great comedy that I was thinking of not long ago. I was like, this would have been great to watch in a, in a cinema. I can't remember what the comedy was now. I guess films like Aeroplane or Dodgeball or the original Anchorman. Yeah, I got, like Anchorman, I got to see Anchorman 2 with a really good crowd. That was one of my uh, favourite crowds. Holy... Maybe that's why you like it so much. No, I've watched no. it after and still love it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, dude. We'll fight it. We'll fight uh, for it. All right. Well, well, I'm happy with that. Yeah. No dramas. So, Jake, we're time to move into our film of the week, but what are we watching? Well, a film that neither of us definitely didn't catch in the cinema. Uh, at least not in 1979. We're watching Apocalypse Now.
Captain Willard is sent to Cambodia on a dangerous mission to assassinate a renegade colonel who has won the trust of a local tribe. This mm. film was directed by Francis Ford Coppola. I thought you could say Francis McDormand. <laughs> that no. would be interesting. And uh, is the epitome of the ultimate indie film, really. Um, and oh, I'll, and, okay. I'll, and it's interesting that you're giving me that look, Jake, because <laughs> I did actually... So before we delve into history of the film and what right. we think of the film... We both watched two different versions of this film. Completely different versions. So there were very famously three cuts of this film. One that runs at, I believe, two hours, 27 minutes. That's the version I saw on my Blu-ray copy of the film. Also the version available on Netflix Italy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Zeke. (laughs) Get a VPN. (laughs) And uh, there is, a, I believe, a three-hour, 16-minute cut, uh, the Deluxe cut i suppose right it's like redux long, it's longer than that it's three it's hours like that? 34 jesus okay oh you know what no sorry you're right three hours 34 three hours 34 three hours 43 Jeez, you're, sorry you are correct because that is the redux version and yes. the final cut version that only got released this year is three hours 16 minutes okay Boom. so i watched the redux version because mm. i'm an idiot and i hate myself <laughs> um no honestly i bought i i bought apocalypse now from the op shop like three years ago had no clue it was a Redux version. Right, on DVD, right? Yeah, it just it was yeah. like a dollar. So I was gotcha, like, of gotcha, course gotcha. we're going to get Apocalypse Now for a dollar. I need to see this film. This is a f- definitely a film in that thousand and one before you die sort of. Mm. It's, it's on my 100 movie poster list. And I mean, went out, recently graduated, and mm. the you know the chair of our university wouldn't shut up about this film. Well, he says it's his favourite film of all time. It's it's the... There's a poster of it just down the hallway we're in right now. Yeah, and it's fascinating to think about that. Well, Jack, you shouldn't tell them that. <laughs> well, they could think we're squatting at university. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, no. Um, oh, we're still in here. <laughs> but, yeah, no. Um, so it's it's very much benchmarked at this film. So it's like, of course, you have all these people telling you, like, you got to watch this film. This film's gotten, like, a 4.5 on Letterboxd. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Pretty highly marked. Oh, like the highest average is four point. Yeah, the average uh, score. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So I actually it's... have been looking at that recently. That's it's my a good go-to. benchmark because I think people on Letterbox are very critical. In the sense, yeah, where it's the audience is more filmic than any than IMDb. Like IMDb, you can probably get randoms, Rotten Tomatoes, audience. You get a lot exactly. of people skewing scores, so it's a good benchmark. I agree. Yeah, I think so. Um, and this film has. A very like after watching it, and I had to stay up till absurd <laughs> o'clock to watch it. Um, <laughs> because I just thought it would be funny to start watching it at 10 o'clock, so I didn't get I, didn't I watched it at 10 a.m. o'clock, <laughs> I watched it at 10 p.m., didn't get done until about two o'clock. So, Ooh. and boy, this film, um. It has a history. It has a, you know, it has a documentary on its own right. Yeah. So the docu is called Hearts of Darkness. Yeah. And it premiered at. Oh, sorry, that's another note. But yeah, Heart of Darkness, and that's the name of the book that this film's based Which on. Which is based off sixty hours of found, well, oh. footage recorded by his wife. Uh, and oh, the documentary. Documentary. I thought you meant the book was based on sixty hours no. of footage. Of no, Vietnam. the book. The book is a nineteen like oh five novella or something like that. Oh, for the heart of darkness. So it predates oh, Vietnam. Yeah. Okay. So it's actually based around a a instead of it's a river. It's very much a river search, but it's yeah. based around a merchant in the Congo, not in Vietnam. Right. This is a modernized okay. adaptation. 
Very clever. By Francis Ford Coppola. This film actually has a really interesting history because it was actually first pitched as a film by Orson Welles in the 40s. Wow, okay. Uh, more under the, obviously, the African pretense <laughs> yeah, rather than yep. the Vietnamese pretense. And uh, this film was originally meant to be directed by George Lucas, believe it or not. That would be interesting. The original concept was actually pitched by Basically George Lucas. Flash Gordon in Vietnam. <laughs> Is that what it would have been? And, and the funny thing is, you know what made him jump from this film? Flash. Well, um, Star Wars. Star Wars? Because oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. He wanted to make a Flash Gordon film. They said no, so he made Star Wars. That so, makes sense. So uh, Coppola basically went, um, who had this, and they both wanted to do it two different ways, Jake. So uh, <laughs> basically, Lucas at the time wanted to do a 16mm documentary-esque, like a... More a District Nine, like that European film art style, where it was it shaky was, cam or yeah, it was fictional, fictionalized mockumentary. Got you, got yeah, you. Mockumentary, um, but I don't think the term was coined mockumentary back then. Probably a little too early, but of a similar vein. Exactly. And I'm learning stuff right now. While crazy, <laughs> uh, Coppola wanted to do the film that you saw. He wanted to yep. do more a hallmark on Americanization and having no place in a war. Mm. Uh, that they were in, um, and sort of the psychology, the inner psychology of a soldier. Um, however, uh, and I find this, uh, I do find that really interesting. And uh, the casting was, it was really interesting because they had to go back and forth with a lot of different uh, approvals. But basically, this film essentially is not owned by any studios. So when I say it's the conquest of well, the Indies, about indie films. Okay. it's a blockbuster film in which none of the big five own it. Because what happened mm. was Coppola half-funded it with his own production company off the success of the Godfather films and the conversation. Yep. Literally in one year, he was competing against himself for best Oscar, the best picture with the conversation in Godfather Part 2. Right, in 1975, okay. and it's really interesting. That's pretty funny. It was very funny to actually see the video <laughs> of him like he's in two frames. <laughs> Are they both like moving? Like they're just you two know how, like they do like the live reactions. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's got one for the Godfather Part Two and one for the conversation. But it's the same angle. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> really so, dumb. That's awesome. But um, I want to see that. It's really. I'll, I'll have to get it up after this. But I'll yeah. bring it up now while you're feeding me so much history. I feel like I'm yeah. in class right now. Yeah. So it's really interesting because it's like obviously you got this film that they wanted to film in the real, the like the real Vietnam Philippines regions. They wanted it in that sort of region. Unfortunately, there was a lot of war torn stuff going on. Right. 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 So post because this is only a few years after Vietnam War ended officially. Let's let's bear that in mind. So That's true. This isn't like that far out from Vietnam. No, it's not so much like a That's Kubrick's a full metal jacket, which was a good decade well, and that... a half after. Oh wait, am I thinking of Oh you're right. Sorry. Nineteen eighty seven. So for some reason I got it confused with nineteen eighty. I'm thinking of The Shining. That's what yes. I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yes, episode 50. But um, that's uh, a good point because I did write a note about how directors wanted to talk about Vietnam a lot in this period. Yeah. And it, and was, it was the first war they could kind of do that more than World War Two. And this was the first film to talk about Vietnam too um, on like and really show. Uh, and of course, there's a lot of controversy. The American depiction in this film is not positive in any way, shape or form. Mm, not um, really. Uh, and... For the most part, so the American government had wanted nothing to do. They they are because obviously acquiring all the appropriate 
weapons, uniforms, and aircraft was a big part of this film. Right. Making it realistic. And a lot of stuff on so the American, screen. <laughs> they approached the American government first, obviously, being an American depiction. Of yep. course, they wanted the script completely changed. But Coppola had a vision, and he wanted to stick to his vision. And basically, so he told them to sod off. And then he went to the Australian government, who also had a lot of the similar uniforms. Um, Australian regions, so things like the Thin Red Line, which also depict Vietnam and that region, but yep. were shot in Australia in a much safer place than... The you know those like that sort of Southeast Asian region. I don't know any of this. I mean, it's uh, it's it's. We been, made apocalypse uh, now. <laughs> well, we didn't make apocalypse now. The whole thing was that because much like America, mm. when they approached Australia, they wanted a lot of the script changed, not oh. because of their own depiction, but because they didn't want to piss off America because that's Australia I for see, you. I see. So then they sold it off from Australia, and then they basically approached the Filipino government, who had a lot of American based military gear from the Vietnam War because right, they were okay. an anti-communist well, that's state. that's trippy. And basically, they were dealing with their own rebellion stuff. So basically, mm. they agreed to let Coppola use all this stuff as long as there was no actual military requirements needed yeah. in the time of shooting. <laughs> so there was a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, that's that's just nuts. Like, I knew, I knew that there was, like... On schedule, and I think I think actors had injuries and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. flus, illnesses, typhoons, everything. Right, you name yeah. it. Like, it I knew was... about that stuff, but but it's it's interesting lot. to talk about that sort of the real the, the 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 real accomplishment of this film is it's basically the rebellion of the studio system. It's a man that yeah. really had, didn't want his vision compromised, and still made a blockbuster regardless of it. Now, admittedly, when you have an Oscar season where you're competing against yourself mm. for best picture... Was that the best picture thing? Because I couldn't find the video. Um, 1975, I think it was. It was best picture okay. or best director. It was well, one I want a best director. In the video, there is no... It doesn't cut back to, like, multiple I'll, screens. I'll cite it, I'll cite it for you after you the show. It for me. Um, I think I found but, um, it. Uh, basically, yeah, the accomplishment comes from him essentially... Uh, oh, there it is. Uh, make sure your volume's off. Um, it is off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just a wider angle on him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's um, so good. It's great. And and then he the, wins, yeah? So the accom- yeah, he does. Yes, he does. With the other part yeah, you got two. two angles of him doing the fist bump. In yeah. The air. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's interesting because, yeah, it, it didn't compromise his vision. He had mm. a vision and a depiction he wanted to get across... And he wanted to make this huge war thing. And, war but, epic. of course, studios don't want that to happen because they want to always Americanize. They always wanted to depict mm. America in a popular, like, a, you know, a more positive light. Even yep. though the Vietnam War, especially given the stance on the Vietnam War and how it was literally the the worst war in a lot of ways because America weren't the good guys who mm. saved the day. And I think... <laughs> Most Americans wanted to sweep that under the rug, and of course, Coppola didn't. And it's really interesting to talk, like, to nah, see absolutely. how much he had to scrape and claw to get this film to come to life. And even considering like the amount of cuts that he made, I think there's like three official cuts now. Um, I'm reading that at Cannes when they first premiered, the film wasn't even finished. You no. know, so just the Dude amount. Lost of- it. Dude lost his mind too. He lost his mind on this thing. It's very. It's funny that it's almost like life imitated art with this film because right with Martin Sheen's character everything yeah or even marlon brando's mm. in particular but it's it, it's fascinating because it's like 
the he rigorous the kernel though was like the rigorous so i mean you're taking good. a bunch of kind of poncy hollywood people even though they're eager but you're putting them in the middle of stuff that well, still like hasn't Thunder. really hasn't cooled down exactly yeah. except it's not funny <laughs> not played for satire. This is it's not a just... funny film at all, no. No. <laughs> um, this might be one of the most depressing films I've ever watched. Well, it's interesting <laughs> we drew comparison to Full Metal Jacket, yeah. because even just their choice in music is so telling. Full Metal Jacket, I mean, they, they have um, bloody, you know, Paint It Black as, like, yeah. their ending song, which is a much more exciting song than, like, The End, for example. Yeah. Which is a much more drier, somber song, so, yeah. I mean, we're gonna. There will be a lot of probably comparisons between the two great directors in this in this talk about. But overall, Jake, I have to ask you after all that history lesson, which <laughs> I have to cite a go. lot of the stuff that I learnt yep. came from a YouTuber named Tyler Cinema. He's done Tyler an Cinema. amazing video essay series, and I have to recommend that because he made everything engaging, enthralling, and most of all, educating. So nice, big shout That's out for him. That's what you want. Um, but Have basically, yeah, exactly. Go check them out. Um, give them a give them a like and a subscribe or whatever. Whatever <laughs> so they. The question I'm guessing you're going to pose me: Did you did like I enjoy it? the film? <laughs> did you enjoy your two and a half version? Um, I did enjoy my my two and a half hour version of which did not have credits. Did your version have credits? Um, yes. It's uh, really weird. But I went and saw because uh, of the Netflix thing. I checked it out on Netflix oh, yeah. and watched the last ten minutes again and. Yeah, you're weird. No credits. Yeah, the because the Blu-ray version I have it has the Redux version and the normal edition, which is like an hour less, and neither of them have credits. I think it was more of like an aspect ratio issue more than anything else. That's why I didn't end up in certain spots. But to go back to your question, um, I did enjoy the film. I very much like a lot of the um, action sequences and the mise-en-scene. You're, the amount of effort they went into getting all the materials and all the stuff that fills the frame, like Absolutely. that stuff was incredible. Um, and I appreciate it had a lot more character as opposed to something like much, much, much more recently to do with Vietnam was The Battle of Lantan, the Australian mm-hmm. film Danger Close, which was really great from a visual perspective in terms of the action and the directing and all that, but I there was no real character in it. I didn't know who to follow. And in this film, you very much know who to follow Yeah. in Martin Sheen's character. Um, that being said, I, look, I get why it's a big... I get why people love the film so much. It's especially in 1979. It's a very immersive sort of film. It puts you right into the feet here. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think it was the greatest film of all time, which is fine. Don't have to think that. Mm. Um, but I did overall really enjoy it, and it is quite. Mm, I can remember certain scenes very vividly. Maybe not as much as Full Metal Jacket, but I enjoyed it. I, I had fun. What about you, Zeke? Oh, uh, so given <laughs> given my history lesson, you would think that I'm going to come out guns are blazing and say this is the best movie of all time. Right. I do not think this. Uh, so I watched the three hour forty three version, and Jesus Christ, up and four it longer every time you mention it. <laughs> I think it's three hours forty three. I'll double check it. Um, I think it's three hours thirty four, three hours forty three. Right. It's ridiculous. I remember checking on the Blu Ray because again I watched the two and a half hour version. The point when the theatrical film ends and where the Redux film is is when they arrive at the tribe with the all the tribe villagers making way for the boat. Mm-hmm. At that point in the Redux version is when the film ends in the theatrical version. What? Just, yeah. That's how long the other version is in comparison. Oh, okay, but it's not the ending of the film. Yeah, though. I'm talking about the timestamp. Oh, okay. So at that same timestamp when the theatrical version ends is when the Redux version, they arrive at the tribe. 
So, just to give you an idea of how much more movie is in the Redux version. Do you think that the fact that it was so long is why you weren't hugely into the movie? No. No, I I think... um, Just quickly checking the Redux runtime. For some reason, I didn't write it in my notes. I wrote the final cut time length, but... Which I know was kind of in the middle of those two. It's, um... I don't really know. Three hours, 23, beg my pardon. So... That's still pretty big. Yeah. That's Crazy. Irishman Just, levels right there. Yeah. So it comes back to the my positive <laughs> review of the Irishman. So runtime to me doesn't really matter. Okay. Um, I just feel this film, particularly in the Redux version, he tried to... It crammed so much stuff in there. Okay. And I think I like the simplicity of Full Metal Jacket more. And I don't even think it's that simple, Full Metal Jacket. It's definitely um, a more straightforward plot line. But I think I like, like that more. I no, think. I'm saying, um, like, in Full Metal Jacket, you have seen, you have seen, you've seen. It's easier to track. Which, I mean, this film does too, but I know what you mean by I mean, I've watched... I've, uh, I have not watched Godfather Part 2 or 3 yet. Um, I watched the original. Really loved the original. Mm. I watched The Conversation. I didn't like The Conversation, um, which is a controversial opinion. Um, I okay. know. I did not enjoy it at all. Um I know he's an amazing auteur, he's an amazing director. Kind of sits on the same level as our Stanley Kubrick conversation from a few years back. This film just... A few just, episodes back. A few weeks back. Well, a few weeks back. You I said a few uh, years back. A few, did I say a few years back? You said a few years Sorry, back. Sorry, beg my pardon. A few weeks <laughs> I back. I was like, oh my God, I'm getting old. Beg my pardon. Um, time <laughs> flies in Vietnam, bro. Uh, <laughs> I just... <laughs> there were things in this film that were... Con- they were mixed between... Con- and I know it's sort of a part of everyone's losing their mind in this place mm-hmm. um, from the people like his boat crew that take him down the river who all slowly descend into their own forms of madness in their mm. own unique ways. Um, even though it feels like even in the first 30 minutes when, you know, Fly, as Flight of the Valkyries is playing as they're bombing the beachhead. So. I love the, that scene The colonel's so like much. wanting that surfer dude to surf. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> And it's 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 like obviously it's basically showing that all the Americans are kind of a bunch of the whole thing is they're a bunch of clowns and there's no real logic to well, their 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 ownership or that they feel like they have so much ownership over the land they're taking over that they yeah. just they they muck around and I got that sense even on the boat where I feel like it was the younglings versus versus Willard. Yeah. I thought the the separation between the old and the young was so clear they were all mucking around while he's the one studying the the mission brief, so to speak. Exactly, exactly. He's just this concentrated soldier who's so obsessed with his mission to the point where it's like without his without having a mission, without having something to strive for, as we see in the opening scene, he's got nothing to do but go yeah. crazy. And it's sort of like him and him and Marlon Brando aren't too far away from each other. The obsession of the mission becomes their breaking points. But mm. One of them overcomes while one of them doesn't, essentially, I think. I mean, it, it, but I, I don't know what it is quite. I mean, every scene shot well, everything, but it just feels like, I think the, the, my tone in the film started to change a little bit where it felt like the journey down the river didn't feel like, I mean, it felt like progressively people were getting crazier, obviously, is mm. the further they go down. Um, but 
it I there were just parts where it's I think the big thing is when they stop at the French camp after one of their crew members die. I don't know if you had this in your film. I'm curious. I'm trying to remember the French camps. What happens on the, the French, French plantation? It's not ringing a bell right now. Maybe that's a scene that got added in, in my Redux Maybe. version. Maybe I remember. I remember when they go to the camp with the, the girls dancing and stuff, and that turns into a big riot. Oh, the okay. So the, that's not fr- the French camp, though, is it? No, no that's the first one. Did you have the Playboy Bunny? Wasn't camp? that that scene though? No, there's two different ones. There's the one where there's they're two. like there's showgirls one where they're doing all of the showgirls dancing. Yeah, and then, and then the guys like jump on the stage, right? Yeah, yeah. and then yeah, there's so a playgirl, a playboy camp further down. Oh, I don't Dude, think I saw that one. this is going to be a really interesting review. This is going to be interesting tell- indeed. Maybe I should have just watched the theatrical cut and I would have enjoyed it way more. Redux just had too much stuff in it. Yeah. And the I- further they went, they had other camps. There was this plantation one talking about French occupation. There was just too much going on. So I think... My opinion of this film... Redux has its own Wikipedia page. I maybe should grade it more appropriately. I think one day I'll revisit the theatrical version, and I think this is going to be... The one problem with this uh, review is we're going to have inconsistent uh, opinions on the film because we actually watch two different films, essentially. Essentially, yeah. I mean, there's almost an hour. It's 49 minutes extra I, I just gave you two original. scenes that you have no collection of, and it would have been no. really interesting to see if those scenes included in... Okay, um, I was hoping for a bit of a longer paragraph, but on the Wikipedia page, it does have new scenes and alterations. Okay. Uh, it's very small, so hopefully this kind of gives a bit of context. The film contains several altercations or alterations and two entirely new scenes. One of, these, one of the new scenes has a boat meeting the playmates once again, further up the river, so there you go. The other has them meet a family of holdout French colonists on their remote the rubber two, plantation. The two, there you go. Those are the two scenes they added. And apparently there were some extra scenes with Colonel... Uh, is it Cuts? Kurtz? Kurtz. Kurtz. Oh, my Kurtz. God, I can't yeah. read. It's Kurtz, Marlon Brando's character. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So There you go. Those, and those, those are the two those scenes. Those two scenes are probably the two scenes that I'm... There's some horrible things. So, like, that Playboy mm. one. So, yep. they meet them. They re-meet them. I didn't realize they re-met them. I thought they were just They must different. be the same group, there, um, people. So... Basically, uh, our crew who are progressively losing their mind, Willard trades in some fuel so his crew can have a bit of time with the Playboy people. Gotcha. But the Playboy girls are kind of losing their mind also. And there's a point where one of them's trying to have sex with one of the Playboy and they knock a fridge out and one of the girls is like dead in the fridge. What the fuck? Yeah. That's nuts. It's a what the fuck moment. And that was one of those moments I was like, Jesus Christ, what is this film? Uh, and it was like, obviously, it was four characters that were basically babbling nonsense, and it was they gotcha. were losing their mind. It was just a lot of like stuff. The French plantation ones also that Willard gets introduced to this kind of French mistress character, mm. and there's this huge, almost Godfather-like conversation at a dinner table talking about. Basically, Willard says to him, he goes, "Why are you guys here?" And then it leads into the whole, like, French occupation they've always lost in all these wars, mm. and this is the one time they won something, so they earned this, and they own this land. And that plays more into the capitalistic gender, but it just slows the plot down to a grinding halt. Yeah. I didn't even get capitalist themes all that much from the story. There's, like, ten other themes I'm I guess it's the colonial... Colonization's the biggest one, I think. Like yeah, the, that's, that's a good point. The real, like, taking of the land, and, and that's sort yeah. of why I think the whole ideology of Kurtz, even though he's lost his mind, is he's become one with his culture. He's he's mm. become one with the people that 
occupy the space for better or worse. So, I mean, it's interesting in comparison to even like the main objective of the whole film is to basically take out one of our own. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think, um, for the most, like, it's interesting. It's, I can't believe I brought up the two scenes that have been added. That's <laughs> Those crazy. are the ones that you don't uh, like. Yeah, I really didn't. I, they they slowed it down, and I think maybe I would have had a way more enjoyable experience if I had watched the theatrical version. Right. Um, and there is the final cut, which kind of picks half and half. I mean, that, at the end, that's still like, even though it's like two scenes and some extra stuff with the kernel and whatnot, that's still like nearly 50 minutes of new footage. That oh, is dude, a that lot. one in the French one goes for like 30 minutes. Oh, well, there you go. That's insane. One of the crew, when that crew member dies... Uh, not the captain, the other um, African American. Okay. Um, the younger one, you know, when he's listening to his mum's tape. Oh, and he gets that killed. was that was sad. Yeah, that's that cool. was sad. great scene. Okay, yeah. well, basically they bury him on the French plantation. Oh, I see. Yeah, I don't uh, think we got. I don't recall what they did with him. Yeah, so they bury him on the French plantation, and that leads to them staying there for a couple of days while the boat gets repaired. Mm. Um. Well, wow, was there a whole dude. like thing of the boat getting repaired? Yeah. Jeez, man, you got you got fucked up. Oh, and it's like. <laughs> Yeah, so oh, I Jesus. see why they cut it. I hundred percent see why they cut it. Um, I would not. I'm not even sure. I'd recommend the Redux version. It's a lot of junk. Junk in the trunk. It comes back to our Irishman discussion. Three and a half hours, but I for the you most we, know what we, to we cut picked, from we the picked out one scene that might have been trimmed a little bit. Maybe yeah. it's like I still stand by that. Yeah, but, but like, yeah. what does that trim? Like three minutes of runtime? Yeah, exactly. Maybe? It's like, like it's like half a scene worth. Like it's so definitely not like fifty minutes of content. Exactly. <laughs> so of exaggerated story. Yeah. Yeah, I I do think so, and that might have led to. Uh, it comes back to it actually comes back to the the stuff we were talking about with Kubrick. I think um, it just feels like sometimes they may have made some impromptu decisions, and maybe not having. That also comes back to the the devil's advocate, but mm. the uh, executive producer influence of right, a studio gotcha, gotcha. might have helped course correct some of that stuff and prevent them from losing unnecessary money. Well, the fact of the matter is the theatrical cut, the first version they put out was the version that cut all these scenes. So there must have still been an element of that. I guess it's just the financial intervention, though. How much Maybe, money did yeah. they waste on the 50 minutes of content that never got put in the final film yeah well i guess it eventually did and people are buying the redux on blu-ray so i guess eventually it pays off i don't know but no i think part of that as well was like it's one of the things here that uh copula would have the hearts of darkness book as his main reference on set more so than the actual script itself so i think that partly plays into that whole longevity of these scenes and that I honestly, and this is God, I feel like sometimes when I say things like my opinion on these, like these films that are held so high on a platform, you yeah. always feel scared to speak up and say something <laughs> contrary. Like I would never, like I mean, like we talked about this, like the start of this review, out like chair for university held this film in such high regard. If you ever said anything negative about this film in front of you, enjoy like forty minutes of berating. <laughs> From him, <laughs> some of the dialogue I just couldn't. I, some of the dialogue felt nonsensical, and I get it. Oh, They're really? all losing their mind. Sometimes I just didn't. Which parts? Um, particularly some of the exchanges on the boat, and I know they're all kind of losing it, and they're like talking. They talk like, and I found myself uh, or Marlon Brando's like talking about nothing sometimes, which I know is to deal with his sort of like he always talks in that poetic sort of, and especially when he's, like, 
if you find when Willard's like looking over the book, mm. some of the passages that he says he's repeated oh, yeah. over and over again, much like in The Shining. Well, I guess the rep- repetition in that. Yeah, I mean, I, I like a lot of Marlo Brando's like stuff like I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Like yeah. stuff like that's just so iconic that. Yeah. I never found the dialogue like I just I ran with it all. Like I never okay. really found it awkward or anything. I love like Martin Sheen stuff. Oh, oh, he's so good in this. Yeah. Couldn't have picked a better person for this. It was one of those things where I wasn't sure it was him at first because the Blu-ray and the the way and they still sometimes do this, the way they credit these actors, like with the top billing and that, it used to be such a big deal. Where he was like the fourth or fifth build actor in this. So I was like, is he the main dude though? He looks like he looks yeah. like him, but then I look, I was like, yeah, that's him. Okay. I and guess then, it just comes back to this is close to his breakout role. I'm pretty sure it must have been. I mean, he was like two bills above Harrison Ford. He's got half a scene in this film. Yeah, crazy. So, unless he's in the Redux version. No, he is. He is. He is. He <laughs> like a million times over. No, he's only in it for that one scene. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, and he man. plays. He plays himself. It's I a guess. great film. It's got some amazing sequences. Some. I think the sound work is some of the best in history. Uh, okay. It's insane, some of the use of sound. Uh, I love the the sonic cut. when What yeah. was the track they were playing in the helicopters? They're heading oh, the, towards the village. The Flight of the Valkyries. Flight, yeah, Flight of the Valkyries, and then the hard cut to like that peaceful village that they're about to destroy, and then... Even just leading into that battle, like all that stuff is like so well edited, so well crafted. Oh, yeah. It's um, it's, it's got some amazing performances, but I don't know. It's just one of those films. Maybe I was fatigued by the runtime, and maybe must it, have been, it, I like it, that sounds ridiculous. Yeah, it's it sounds like it's warrant a theatrical watch one day, <sighs> but it's it's interesting where it's like I guess quantity does not equal quality because I always mm. remember I thought to myself when I was watching the Redux because I about part way through I, I was aware that I could attain the version that you watched. But you're already into it. I was already into it. And then I thought to myself, I was like, well, Lord of the Rings had extended cuts too. And they added 30, 40 minutes on. And I really enjoyed the extended cuts for those. Yeah. So. But did you watch those first? No, I watched theatrical first and then watched the extended. Um, So that kind of helps ease you into the longer versions. Much like when I watched um, Straight Outta Compton, I watched the extended version for the first time. And in my opinion, I was like, it's just too overstuffed. You know, most of the time, these extended versions are overstuffed because it's the director being allowed to do the longer version, which has a lot of unnecessary stuff in it. And it's the reason why it was cut in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So you've got to take it or leave it with some of that stuff. I mean, Lord of the Rings, it's kind of lucky that that stuff is, at least to you, like, quite watchable and it adds to the story. But again, I think part of that's you were eased into. Like, if I were to watch the Redux version... It would be easy to get through with me than for you because I've seen the theatrical version. I know the necessary story beats that have already happened. So, yeah, that's fair. I I think that's kind of where I go with that. Do you have anything you'd like to add? Um, I got a few sort of random asides I'd like to point out before we get into highlight scenes, I suppose. Um, Well, I'll talk a bit about Coppola's stance on the film. And we've talked a lot about his intentions with the film and stuff. But I want to address the very, very specific question of is this a pro war film or a con or, or anti-war film rather okay now what's your stance on this probably con mm. yeah it's definitely a con definitely, i agree definitely a negative stance on the war absolutely but i feel like it's going to be somewhere that sits in the middle for him mm. he's going to give a very neutral answer he's actually got a really fucking amazing answer i'll get into it in a minute okay um i agree with you i think it is anti-war because i thought about this for a minute i was like hmm, i'm curious 
and my my sense is that there is a representation of the senselessness of death like you, like you said when the kid gets the the, the message from his mum is it a letter or it's a recording it's a recording you can hear it that's right and then he dies like I think that scene is so representative of what an anti-war film would be because it's senselessness you feel bad with what's happened with this kid so that mm. was kind of my stance now Coppola's talked about this um, because he's been asked this direct question I think it was this year when they did the final cut that they interviewed him about it and he said something along the lines of uh, that it's not an anti-war film because that would imply that the film doesn't show any horrors of film, such as Innocence getting gunned down. Yeah. So it is an inherently pro-war film just because it shows war, period, which is a really weird answer. I guess it's sort of... Uh... For it to I be think... anti-war, it has to show no war, period. Which is a weird way to comment on war. Yeah, I mean, it comes back to the question wasn't if it's pro, like the question was pro-war. If he, if you asked him, is this American propaganda? Mm. Then his answer would obviously be no, because it doesn't depict the American way. In it's not a very patriotic film for no. the Americans. <laughs> no, so by that, but the way I guess the question is framed. It allows him to give that answer, which is a really clever take on it's it. It's interesting. I I kind of disagree with him, almost. I mean, we talked about this with The Shining in terms of, you know, a director's take on his own film, mm-hmm. his or hers or their own film. How much do you take that response to heart? And I think for this, I'm like, that's a weird... Because if you want to comment on war, you have to show war, even if it is anti-war. Yeah. You Would you say that? Full Metal Jacket is a pro-war film? <laughs> Do you think that ending? Well, apparently it is because it's about a war, so, you know. Yeah. By the logic of Francis Ford Coppola here, so I thought that was a weird thing, but I wanted to bring that up. You ever feel like sometimes it's just artistic jargon? <laughs> I do. I think it's sometimes it's just like... A lot of just, bullshit. It's just sometimes it's some, like... In, in, in comments like that, mm. or with Kubrick with The Shining, I feel like them picking the alternative path rather than the path that the audience has carved out it's just a deliberate artistic choice to sound different. Well, I guess that depends if if that if that opinion was decided before the audience even saw the movie. That's which fair. in the case of The Shining, I think might have been the case. I'm sure. I'm sure um, Kubrick made that film with his own ending interpretation before other interpretations yeah, okay. were created by audiences. But I do agree with you. Yeah. That sometimes there is a minority. Sometimes the director's in the minority of his own work. Yeah, well, so. I definitely don't see this as a pro-war film, mm, so definitely not. That's fair. Um, I also want to talk about some of the interesting sort of filmmaking choices and motifs. Okay, that I've noticed uh, one of them is, of course, the the many crossfades that we sort of open and close the film on. Yeah, overlaying um, a lot of overlaying. Yeah, yeah. Which I always, I always wonder. I guess in, if you go to Corridor Crew, I guess you kind of get your answer with their Star Wars episode that they've done not that long ago, but. Yeah. The idea of like putting frames over frames in a non-digital era—it's so easy to do that technique now with computers to put layers of video on top of each other, turn down the opacity on certain layers, and boom, yeah, you have exactly. that effect. On film, it's a little harder to do that. Yes. <laughs> so I always appreciated the way, and of course, the sporadic nature of where his mind is sort of stretched about. I always appreciated that. I like the uh, the the semiotics of the guy having to carry the puppy around. After yeah. senselessly killing those those people on the other boat, now he has to carry this sort of innocence with him. So I thought that was quite clever. And I noticed a lot of smoke. This film is obsessed with smoke. Yeah. Like, it's sort of like the hazy mind. Mm, 
motif, I well, think. It's the smoke screens, I guess, of everything yeah. that's going on. You've got your pink clouded, gas, your clouded tear gas. judgment, mm. I think. I just thought it was because it's everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, that's, that's really interesting. That's some interesting pickups. Yeah, nah, and I, I guess that goes hand in hand with like the orange color pattern palette of this film. Oh, it's yeah. so distinctive. I mean, the thumbnail we're going to use for this episode is that famous shot with like the sun and it's all exactly, orange. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, that's even replicated in like The Force Awakens where you get the TIE fighters flying in like an yeah. identical looking shot full of orange and everything. Like, yeah, it's such it's, an iconic color. It's such a foreboding one. color. It's not quite red, but it's, it's sort of that like crueler intention, the mm. color orange. It's never. Never rare, rarely is orange used in a positive framing device. <laughs> and unless, of course, orange is such like, a orange is such a synonymous like synonymous color with you know the whole Agent Orange thing in Vietnam, which oh, is when that's they, a good point. And obviously, I think the color orange and Vietnam are unfortunately tied together with huge negative connotations. Mm. But yeah, R.I.P. No worries. That's do you want to move into? Oh, yeah, let's do some highlight shoes. No dramas, man. Uh, well, whew, this is a tricky one. It's kind of easy for me, to be honest. <laughs> I really like. Um, now I, I really hope that this is in your cut. But when <laughs> they land in the almost, uh, it's like dystopic fantasy world. I think it's they've gone further up the river, and there's this been this huge attack. There's lights, like and Willard and. Can't remember his name, but the dude who gets the puppy. They right, both yeah, have yeah, to yeah, go the off the boat and find the CO, only to find there is no CO. And they're like wandering through this relatively it's only lit up by flares and grenade launcher blasts. It and sounds light, familiar. And it and it has that weird sort of dystopian merry go round set, uh like science, like soundscape. It almost feels like I don't know if it's it's not the show from the first, like where the Playboy bunnies show up, but it's then, like, walking through the trenches, and there's this... It's this creepy sound design. I'll see if I can get it up while you describe your sound. Yeah, do it, because I was about to do it myself, but you'll probably find it a bit easier, because you know... How about you describe your... Uh, uh, right, so I've, I've got... Um, I got really a nod, and then my highlight scene. This is actually quite simple for me. The nod has to be when we finally meet our target, after all this time, and, and for you, watching your cut, after a very long time, we finally find the target. Got there. And I just, I just love that he's you know, in full shadow. You know, when we finally meet him and the monologues, he's good. like it's just, it's just classic. It's like, yeah, this is awesome. I love it. Like, it doesn't have to be wholly unique. It just needs to be what it is. So I mm. love that little trickery they did there. And uh, my highlight scene has to be, and I mentioned this earlier because this is the scene that the Redux version plays at the same time spot that the the theatrical version ends. And it's the scene when they finally they're on the boat. And they finally make it to the tribe, and all the people are sort of laid out there. I believe it's in like a river or something, and they're all slow. It's a creepy visual. Like, I love the iconography of it, but then they all start to slowly weave out of the way mm. as the boat comes through. And I just, I love that scene so much. I just remember being like, wow, this is so cool. And I want to point out that the siren they use in that, um, like, tribal area. It's the exact same siren as my old primary school used to use for lunch. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Kind of freaked me out a bit. I was like, what's going on here? Okay, so I've found a snippet of the scene, Jake. Do okay. you recall? Show me the visual and I shall confirm. It's that scene that's Let's with see. those two gentlemen. Oh, and the light comes in and out. Yeah. You know what? This... I don't think I have seen this. 
This may be also in the Redux version. No, maybe I... Oh, no, 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 no. I think this is in the version. Yeah, yeah. And they're like... Because I remember the light coming keeps, in and out. Willard watched... keeps asking, where's your CO? Where's your CO? Right, okay. This and does look familiar now that I'm looking. I definitely remember the And the build-up to this scene, they're like in a wide shot walking oh, down and there's this the scene, amazing yep. soundscape. And it is it is some awesomely, like, it's just an awesome sequence. That's really cool. I I, that's definitely in the theatrical version. Because I remember yeah. the light coming in and I was like, that's really cool. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember the sound real. so much. Um, really go back and listen to the sound in that scene from when they get off the boat and they're walking down. It always feels like this dystopian carnival That's scene, cool. which is totally deliberate because, like... Yeah, the lighting attributes to that as well, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's a very good direct contrast to the Playboy show that happens earlier, mm. where it almost feels like everything's just a carnival act and everyone's everyone's yeah. clowns. Everyone's a clown. And I like that um, Apocalypse Now is the motto. That's their model. They got it written on the the wall in the tribal. Mm. So I was like, oh, that's where the title comes from. Yeah, uh-huh. it's pretty cool. And then yeah, it's like, like it. written the same way as it is really in the title sequence. It's right? Yeah, they kind way. of copied and pasted it. Basically, <laughs> well, they're obviously based I on know, the same idea. I know. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, okay, uh, you silly apocalypse butter. now is most definitely out in wide release. <laughs> DVD, Blu-ray. Congratulations um, on your fortieth anniversary, Apocalypse Now, last year. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna do a quick check on the Netflixes and the. Well, you said. Oh no! This... I was gonna say it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Uh... Italy. Italy, yes. That's right. Because the other one we we're talking about was in Can. Can. I was gonna say Canada. The term is Canada now. Let's see if Apocalypse Now is it's on not. stand. It's not. Oh, it's not on stand. It's on a. Amos... There's a film called Now Apocalypse. It's a stand exclusive. <laughs> that probably is terrible. Is that a movie? Um... It's a TV show. Yeah, look at it. Look at the color scheme. It looks exactly like our film. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> and um, bloody pink. I think it's on Amazon too. So. Ah, oh, sweet. There you go. No dramas. Well, Jake, do you by chance know what's new in cinemas this I week? I quite do, sir. Now, again, because this is a pre-record episode, uh, subject to change, but uh, I'm going to read these out regardless. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood which is Tom Hanks as Fred Rogers. Oh, Zeke, you're doing a little rave now. I'm so excited for this movie. Really? I'm going to watch it the week it comes out. I'm so... Tom Hanks playing a good guy? No way. <laughs> You've had your rant before. I did. Uh, but um, no, I'm I'm really excited about this. It just looks like a nice, sweet movie, and I'm ready for that. You know, I'm ready ready for the tear ducts to, to work again because I haven't I haven't cried or had any emotions in like four years. So Jesus. <laughs> That's not true at all. <laughs> It's okay. more like two years. Moving on. Moving on. Like a boss. So I don't know what this is, but I'm going to read the little description I wrote for myself here. Okay. A lucrative deal puts best friends Tiffany and Rose's business relationship and friendship on the line in this buddy comedy from the director of Chuck and Buck. So Chuck and Buck. Do you know what any of that is? No and no. Fair enough. It's got their surnames in the description, like Tiffany Haddish and Rose Burns, and I'm just like, or Ross. No, Rose is Rose. I'm like, why? They're not actors, are they? They're characters, and who cares? They might be. Who knows? Who knows? Unless they're playing themselves. I don't know. The Rescue. A unit with a Coast Guard must overcome personal differences to avert a crisis in the Chinese thriller from Dante Lamb and starring Eddie Peng. So there you go. Cute. That's, some, that's something. Um, there you go. Anything else? Is that all for That two? is it. All for the next week, Thanks. unless something has changed. I mean... It's around this time, of course, we're recording these early. It's around this time that stuff like The Lighthouse or I'd Cut Gems would start coming towards our way. Hopefully, hopefully the Academy stuff is announced. 
Because usually once those are announced, yes. we have some films. I don't think either of those films are going to get a big awards push, but it would be good if they did because that means Australia would get them earlier. Yes, they would. Actually, wait. No, I think The Lighthouse would be out by now. Yeah, it's out. In the next. Uh, there's definitely a screening like mid-January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically when this goes up, mm. there should be a screening. But uh, keep out for those films because those look really great. Yay. No dramas, but we're not watching any of those ones that you just listed <laughs> next week. <laughs> Well, we can't. We literally can't. You're on the other side of the world right now. That's okay, though. But we are watching something else. But, Jake, what are we watching? <laughs> You're so animated when you do this now. But, Jake, what are we watching? What are we watching, though? <laughs> Sorry. Next week, we're watching Sweet Country. Come on. No, 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 no. no. Shut, up. Shut up. Come on. You little bastard. Ah. You run away, I'll shoot you for desertion. You give me that boy! Now you give me that boy you're hiding! You let him out! You're hungry, you're pissed now! Harry March is dead. A black fella Sam killed him. You see it? An Aboriginal man from Australia's Northern Territory goes on the run after he kills a white man in self-defense. We ain't done an Aussie film in ages. I know, right? So long. Is this our first time since the Nightingale? Yes. Yeah, that sounds about right. When you watched um, Mira's Wedding, but that wasn't an episode. That was, no, right, that was not a main film. But look, we've got to do it one week. Yes. Because I love that film to death. Um, so... Excuse me. Sometimes. Well, this should be a fun watch. I'm just dying. Yeah, yeah, no. So uh, this comes in around opportune time of Australia Day, so we thought it was an appropriate time to to visit a film like this. Yeah, to reflect uh, appropriately on the time frame. It's, uh, it's definitely, in recent years, getting a little bit more of a controversial day. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we always come out on a Monday, so we don't have control of the date we release Yeah. So it comes out whenever it does. I think it's appropriate every Australia Day weekend we will be... Visiting an Australian film. Doesn't know mm. what type, but as long as it's Australian. I know. We'll do Animal Kingdom again next time. Oh, that was our last Australian oh. film. Oh. No worries. Well, just do it a second time. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the Cinema Side Show. I was Zeke. I was Jake. We'll catch you next week with Sweet Country. Oh, good day, mate.